have no opening line for this film. Hello and welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 119. This is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other uh, German expressionists as masterpieces. I am Nick, I am the sleepwalking through life um, a possible murderer of the film, and I am joined as ever by Roger. The authority behind the responsible murderer. <laughs> And we are going way back in time for this one. This may be... Oh, it's probably not our earliest film we've discussed. When was Nosferatu? Uh, two years after this. This is actually our earliest um, on, the, on the list. This is the 1920 uh, film by directed by uh, Robert Wiener, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, or Das Cabinet des uh, Dr. Caligari, if you prefer... Yeah, when, when it's this close, I don't, I don't feel as uh, pretentious as I usually do. <laughs> well, yeah, we thought this it wouldn't be our first silent film either. We've done a few silent films, actually, some uh, modern silent films with the artist and uh, Nosferatu, which we uh, both of which we enjoyed greatly. Probably Nosferatu more, um, but this is connected to us in a number of ways because it is. One of the many mothers of the noir movement, I expect, at least as far as lighting goes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I guess, uh, I was trying to think of a brief summary for Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but it's, uh, uh, it's a relatively short film. One of, the, a, one of the things I like about it is that it's not one of the standard plots, which even by 1920 were becoming you know, a story that people are familiar with and, and we'll just do some minor variations on it. It's not Frankenstein. It's not Dracula. Um, it's, um, well, it has a framing device, which I think was a bit controversial when they made it. We have um, a man in a, an insane asylum. So this is our, uh, well, not, not quite our protagonist, actually. Um, but uh, Well, he thinks he is. is. He sort of thinks he is, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is Francis. Um uh, describing um, some events that happened to him recently um, and they are peculiar indeed we we have the mysterious Dr Caligari enters the town so this is set uh, I think it's set in sort of uh, pre-war this is immediately post-war uh, well, first world war well ju um, just post enough that it, that it hit the period when um, boycotts against the uh, importation of German films were, were being removed. Uh, right, uh, yes. Anything before this, it would just have stayed in Germany. Quite so. Um, but uh, so, so, certainly Janowitz and Mayer, uh, both, both the writers... The uh, writers. ...had experience... It, I mean, they, they were both pacifists. They they had significant experiences with... with uh, they, they were pacifists because of the war, weren't they? Rather than... No, well, it's not, they it's were not both entirely in clear. I mean, it, it's not, not entirely... I mean, let's see. Uh, Janowitz uh, went, went, was an officer and came back a pacifist. Um, Mayer, it's not... not Probably, yeah. I mean, he may, may have had leanings in that direction first. Certainly, he, he went into the war, but then again, nobody really had an option about that. So, no, there, there wasn't such a thing as conscientious objectives in. Well, the, there, in there the, was in the Weimar. Not, not in the Weimar. It, it was difficult. Let's say. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, 
So we are in the village town of um, Holstenwall. Is that right? Uh, somewhere like that. I'd probably say Holstenwall, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a small town. Uh, what matters, oh, I think, is not, not so much uh, where it is, but the fact that, like everything in this film, it's tremendously twisted and lowering. <laughs> well, so the film actually opened with um, normal um, artistry and cinematography, I guess, in the sense that we have a, a normal scene in a in a park or a graveyard it's not quite uh, entirely clear but um in the grounds of the asylum i think it, it, um, it's reasonably normal let us let us say here, here for, is this chap sitting in the park talking about how terrible things that have happened to him and that that's my fuel say and so on and then it just goes bonkers i mean <laughs> even the it depends on which version of this you watch but i watched one with the original um title cards oh yeah those are beautiful they are, they're just gorgeous. Um, they're, um, so it's, I, I mean, it's a hard thing to describe, but the, the expressionism, uh, um, for anyone who doesn't, uh, know, you're really probably better to look at it than have it described, but it's all sharp angles. Um, practically any kind of, still from this film will give you some idea of what we're talking about, <laughs> I think. And it was, um, uh, yeah. this art style was quite, uh, fashionable at the time so it, it wasn't unique to Caligari um, this particular style but I, I think it was unique for films of the time um, to film it in this way um, and I think the writers had written it intending it to be a uh, a standard film but it is uh, so it's all on everything is basically painted onto the set including the light basically the daylight and everything is all painted on doors are uh, twisted and, and angular and sharp. When people are sitting on seats, they're extremely impractical tall. So usually people are twice as high as they should be. It's, it's. Yeah, I was particularly struck, um, quite early on. We, we see Francis's room. Um, and the, the, the window still has four straight sides, but they are not parallel to each other or anything else. <laughs> yes. I was struck by the chair, which looks like a normal chair, but just, goes on forever it's um it is so very uh, e- even striking. in this relatively early stage where we could be assuming that this is normal life um everything is distorted well what's the uh, this has a kind of an immediate unsettling effect as mm. on, on watching it is that it? i think might be the Yes, yeah, it's, um, I suppose the thing is the characters don't react to this peculiarity. It's not like Lovecraftian mm. protagonists wandering around with, yeah, it, um, which it probably resembles in some way. They, it's, it's just part of their normal life that I, I like how they have to interact with these crazy, like the people get up and down off these ridiculous stools and sit on the chairs and open the doors and the doors keep kind of, come back to it later but Caligari's door it just keeps closing because it's not practical and they just keep opening it uh, they they accept this bizarre world as as normal but the the plot is that the circus is in town including um Dr Caligari and his amazing and I love this word we don't hear it a lot it's not a sleepwalker he's a somnambulist which is a very good Caesar um which on the face of it I don't know if that word's attract you into a tent <laughs> here is a man who is asleep and i promise you he's been asleep for, uh, for for years and years and years but the show uh 
we we enter the tent sort of along Francis and his uh, his friend um and and the shtick is really that Cesaire can predict the future under this trans like state the the scene where Cesaire opens his eyes uh is quite striking visually as well there's just something about it. it's not it's not played for shot it's done very slowly but we we zoomed right in on this um very heavily made up face and his eyes just just slowly open. I mean, that's really all that happens, but it is very... Uh, th- this, of course, is the splendid Conrad Veidt, whom we have seen before on Ribbon of Memes, in Casablanca. Is that the same guy? Is he um, uh, 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 the, the colonel who gets shot? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and an ardent <laughs> anti-Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. Both he and um, Caligari... Who is, um, of course I should have recognised the name of Conrad Fight, uh, Werner Krauss, um, really sort of live in the scenery in a way that the other characters don't. They move in ways that fit in with the scenery. They are really, um, part of it. Um, mm. the other characters are just sort of acting as normal in this bizarre background, but both Caligari, um, and, uh, Césaire are part of it they're part of the strangeness and the twistedness and the weirdness yeah so the the first thing we see in fact is before before the fair has got started properly uh he he's seeking permission to um basically have a start have a stall there. he's looking for a permit isn't he yeah uh and th- this is where i i'm i'm not a big um oh well this is obviously symbolism for that thing but here uh, at least all the authority figures are on high stools or when they, when they talk to the police, it's up a narrow twisty staircase. There's definitely this <laughs> sensation of height equals temporal power. Yes. Um, and also a, a strong sense of unnecessary kind of Kafkaesque, unnecessary bureaucracy and, and meanness behind it too. Yeah. There's definitely an anti-authoritarian feel to it. Yes. I, I think that gets more complicated, but in any case, um, Caligari, um, Gets his permit, but there's there's a, there's a bit of faff and hassle, and, and he's uh, laughed at a bit. Uh, and then he does a, a murderous look to the clerk, who has caused him pretty minor <laughs> inconvenience. Um, and, and the clerk turns up dead the next day. Yes, strangled. Um, mystery, um, uh, mystery murderer. Oh no, murder. knifed. I'm sorry. Knifed with a small um, uh, triangular knife. Um, and then during the um the somnambulist um session, the friend that Francis is with, uh Alan, is it Alan? Um it felt like a very young Caligari name, so maybe I've forgotten it. I think it was Alan though. Um is yeah. told their their deaths are predicted, and Alan is told that he won't live through the night. Um as indeed he doesn't In he fact that's also. the that's the only prediction we see uh Cesare make. Yes, yeah, that's, um, uh, he never really does much in the way of predicting afterwards. Um, and then, uh, because it turns out both Alan and, I mean, the, the plot, it almost feels a bit, uh, pointless describing it, um, <laughs> because then it becomes, well, the plot is that then it turns out Francis and Alan are both in love with Jane, um, played by, uh, Lil Dagova, Dagova. Um, and, so he's kind of her rival. It's never quite explained why Alan is the target of murderousness, other than to fulfil Cesar's 
I mean, he's the one that predicted his death, so maybe he feels he should um, make sure it happens. Um, and then the doctor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll, we'll come back to this later, but I, I think he's essentially a random victim. He, he is the guy mm. who's, who stood up and said, make me a prediction. Therefore, he becomes the guy to whom it will happen. He gets selected to be the, be the victim, yeah. And then, um, it turns out that Jane's father is a, a doctor, a psychologist of some kind, um, and they go to, Caligari's house. I mean, we haven't said much about Caligari himself. Werner Krauss is just the, the creepiest kind of performance. <laughs> it's, he's all the, glowering the, and... The, interestingly, it doesn't take on a whole lot of uh, Jewish stereotypes as we saw in Nosferatu. I oh, mean, no, yeah, he, he, he He's short and his hair is thinning and so on. He's, he's got this amazing front-to-back comb-over, which frankly doesn't work at all. Uh, <laughs> um, but but he doesn't do the the, the, the stock Jewish things that, that we've seen before, which which is interesting. No, it's much more kind of a, a, a real he, he's grotesque. He's sinister, certainly, but he's sinister on his own terms. Yes, yeah. Um, so they search his cabin with him uh, on looking. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not clear to me whether this is actually meant to be a, a permanent dwelling or some some kind of caravan, which is more the impression I got. I mean, we don't see any wheels, but who knows what a wheel it, would look It has like. a strong sense of temper. I mean, it is tiny and there's basically it, it's nothing It's also in that, it. that steps up to the front door thing, which to me says caravan, though. I mean, I'm sure there are. I, I agree. I kind of assumed it was a caravan. Maybe it's a, a temporary house. Also, it's kind of implied that Caligari is new in town mm. and is, uh, you know, itinerant. So, presumably, either he's rented it or yeah. he, uh, he's not there permanently. Um, but it's, uh, so they, they search it, um, and nothing comes of it. He is, uh, he's released, um, or that they, they, they let him go. Here uh, is the but, sleeping Cesare. Um, what else do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a third murder occur or attempts to occur because Cesare goes for Jane at this one. Jane's house, interestingly, actually, her house looks compared to the other bonkers places that everyone else lives <laughs> in. Hers looks almost normal. There's very little of the weird angular, um, peculiar lighting. Hmm. Um, or at least in her dining room. I, I think when we get to her bedroom, um, it, it changes a bit. Um, but then Cesare is caught mid-murder, um, and is, uh, we've skipped out a little subplot of the, the, they think they've caught the murderer, but it turns out it's a guy who saw there were random murders occurring and decided to do one with the same MO. Um, a, a classic uh, technique, of course. Under cover of, uh, the other spate of murders. Um, and that's when we interact with the police on their, their high, um, uh, stools <laughs> peculiar ways um but then we have possibly the most anticlimactic ending to a villain that i have seen in ribbon of memes basically the, the police start chasing him and he just drops dead well he drops jane first and then he, well he drops jane then he drops dead. he does a lot of dropping but one of them is dropping dead I, I got to admit, I think that's my favorite of the sets that that uh high bridge with with the slope down to the, to the foreground uh, yes, and watching them run over it and interact with this, um. It, it's just splendidly twisted. Well, that, it's, it seems odd to describe it because really, it's all about the visuals, this film. It's all about mm. how it looks and how it feels and how it unsettles you. Uh, we have a twist ending, possibly, I don't know if it was the first 
M. Night Shyamalan um, style twist endings. Uh, well, ha- hang on, it, because the, the next step is, is fi- finding out where Caligari has fled to. Yes, so um, Francis um, follows Caligari and finds himself in an asylum. Um, and it turns out Caligari is the the uh, administrator of the asylum. And that that's the, the idea of the guy running the asylum is himself mad has certainly been copied a lot in, <laughs> in film and elsewhere. Um, yes, definitely. Um, well, he has been waiting for the perfect som- somnambulist victim because he had a book on here's how to make a somnambulist a murderer. I'm not quite sure what Caligari's getting out of it. Does he get I, financial mm, wealth? I or? think that... I'm not sure how how much there was instruction in that book. That that may be his twisted use of his legitimate skills. Uh, the the impression I got was that that here is this legend of uh, the the guy who had a somnambulist commit murders for him. Yes, okay, and yes. that that has just caught on Caligari's mind, and he he's become obsessed with with. Well, we don't even know what it, what his actual official name might be. He's become obsessed with becoming Caligari. So that's right. So, so, so when, to... when when the guy was brought in, uh, he said, "Right, you, your name is now Cesare," and, and and I am, I am. And then we have this bizarre, incredible scene where he's uh, sort of running round the set, um, followed by the letters appearing um, in the ba- in the background, mm. which basically are telling him to become Caligari. It's very. It's very affecting. It's very, it's very good. It's just, it's so G- Given peculiar. the tools you have to depict somebody going mad, yeah, he's quite challenging. And and here, I think it works really well. Yes, and so um, there's enough evidence to convince um, uh, the authorities who grab Caligari. Um, so here, the authorities actually do a, a good thing and, and depose Caligari. Um, well, they, they are generally fairly useful. I mean, they they may not yeah. catch the uh, Cesare before he before he kidnaps Jane, but they're they're on the on the trace. There's none of this. We don't believe you stuff. No, there's not a lot of convincing required. Um, and the film ends with Caligari thrown into his own asylum, or does it? Because yes, now we have a twist ending. Um, that it was all made up by Francis, who is uh, an inmate in the asylum, as is Jane, um, as are many of the people featured in the film. Um, and we have him sort of happily potted back into his little corner of crazy. We, our second visit to an asylum. Um, and uh, no, Noting that he, he is in the same cell as his vision of Caligari was. Mm. Which, yeah. I mean, obviously saves you building another set, but... <laughs> it, it works on a, on a textual level as well. So we, it, and then the film ends really. So as you say, it's well, not a classic. This Caligari is saying, uh, right now, I, I understand what, what the nature of his delusion. Now we can, now we can cure him. Oh yes, I'd forgotten it ends with the now we can cure him. Um, that seems like an unnecessarily hopeful ending <laughs> <laughs> for a film like this. Uh, but the weird thing is that, um, the, uh, expressionism, never doesn't stop at this point it's not like as soon as we come out of uh, francis's delusions um that the uh, unlike the the opening scene where everything is normal as soon as we come out of francis's delusions uh we're still in um expressionism land and everything is painted and twisted and and sharp um 
so I'm not sure really what does that mean? There's another layer of delusion. Probably not. I, I mean, I think it, I, it's not a film that needs close analysis as far as the plot goes, really. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think the framing device was tapped on, uh, tacked on. Yeah, I mean, later it, on. It, it it was put in at the, at over the objections of the writers, but they did get to write it themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking with, with the more modern filming style, you might well say we will gradually work into the twistedness as things get weirder and more twisted. Yes. But there, there really isn't anything like that here. And it, it could be coincidence that that initial park has a bit less of the weird stuff than everything else we see. It feel, it feels a bit out of place because the rest of the film is, um, Though yes, beautiful th- thinking stuff. Of it, uh, I'm just, just reminding myself of what, uh, you know, Jane's family living room. Um, not only is it fairly conventional, but, uh, when, when we got the long shots of it, we've got curtains around the sides and something that seems quite like a spotlight, um, full of light on the ground. It, it, it's basically a stage as well as being the reassuring home-like place. Oh, interesting. I, I wonder if that has some hidden meaning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's a very, I mean, I guess the first thing we see of the, um, the, the art style is the actual village itself. Um, are this, these twisted, um, buildings on, um, with a wall around them leading up to a hill. It just, from the moment it starts doing that, it's just, um, it's fascinating to watch and mm. I mean, disturbing and. We, we've seen Nosferatu and that is described as a German expressionist film that has elements of this. Uh, but this has it, you know, full bore all the time. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is not so, there's nothing normal about it. It's like a, a mad fairy tale, I guess, is the, is the best way of putting it. And it's, it's glorious, really. As you say, it's not cliched. It doesn't go anywhere you would expect it to go. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a, all right, you could summarize it in a couple of sentences, but it is definitely not one of the standard narrative patterns. No, um, and, and actually, I suppose there have been, Kind of murderous people using other, uh, other patsies. But the actual plot hasn't been that heavily, um, uh, uh, copied. Um, and I've never seen a film, the, interestingly, the art style didn't trigger any kind of, well, it may have done, but I've never, uh, never seen anything like this. And hmm. I, it, I, I mean, this wasn't just an art film. I suppose it's worth bearing in mind. This wasn't just an arty film that no one watched. It was a very popular film, um, and it did quite well. And it was very of its time in the sense this was all... I, I've been trying to kind of temper my... This is old, it must be classic feeling, and just try and take a step back and think, is this really as good, you know, as it's supposed to be? Does it deserve to be as famous as it is? Um I still think it does. I mean, it, there, there is nothing quite like it. There never has been anything quite like it. I mean, this to me is the kind of surrealism that I respond to, that I find unsettling, unlike um, uh, Lynch films, uh, yeah. which I just, I, I, I just get frustrated with. Um, I, that's, I mean, I have a, a bit of love in my heart for Twin Peaks, which I think um, has, has got a lot going for it, but. Um, but David Lynch just, I, I don't know, his kind of dream reality, I, d- I just don't find compelling in a way that I find this world. I, th- I think it helps that this, this, I mean, discounting the frame story for a moment, which, which says that everything is unreliable. 
um, we get that it, it, it's a world that works consistently. Yes. You know, it, it may look weird, but it doesn't act weird. People don't suddenly, you know, grow wings or whatever. As far as they're concerned, they're in the normal world, but what we're seeing is, is the twisted one. We get, yeah, we get a twist ending, but that makes sense sort of in con. Yes, you're right. It's, a, I think that's it. The dream logic that we, uh, we get, and I'm, I'm looking at you, Mulholland Drive, which I, I just, I really <laughs> didn't get on with. I, 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 I just don't, I found Mulholland Drive about as interesting as, you know, someone else describing a dream they just had to you. It, it's just not compelling for anyone else, really. Um, but here, it's also, it's, gorgeous as well i mean there is there's something very beautiful and disturbing and horrifying about mm. the sets here and it it's really about the visuals this film and it uh, on that it just it's striking and much as nosferatu wasn't entirely but you know the the classic scenes that have gone down in history uh, the visuals in nosferatu were incredible too and mm. and here they are so that, that's a bit more ambitious in terms of where it shoots i mean you've got some actual genuine outdoor shots in nosferatu which um maybe the asylum courtyard might be might have been it might be everything else even when it's ostensibly outdoors is um quite clearly just painted sets i mean it's they're not hiding it but it's just yeah. incredible i mean this could have been a, a stage show um, well, it, it's, it's representative. It, it, it doesn't need to be the same thing people say about uh, rubbish special effects in old science fiction shows. Uh, it doesn't need to show you exactly what, what's happening in, in a, you know, we could touch this manner. It, it, it gives you the impression of the mood of what's going on. Yeah, and it's, it's a great mood piece. It's just, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've said disturbing a lot, but it's just something about it that is is very. I mean, the, the characters aren't particularly uh, <laughs> heavily drawn. They're, they're nothing, pretty basic, yeah. Yeah, and and there's not, you know, I frankly didn't really care about the love story in it. I'm not sure you're desperately supposed to, but it's it's still it's it's a bit like Lovecraft in a way that. Um, the characters are kind of disposable and point. Um, and the, 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 plot... the authors claimed that they had had a strong anti-authority message in mind, but they didn't start claiming this until several decades later. And people who were on the uh, set, quite a lot that, had happened in the meantime. Yeah, people who were on the set said no, they, that they were just doing, doing it essentially fairly straight. So. I feel the the only scene that really struck me as anti-authority, and even then, it's setting up a plot point, is the one. Where, um, where Caligari's trying to get his permit and he's just, uh, obstructed and the whole thing is obfuscated by this needlessly petty clerk. But you, you know, you could even blame that on this clerk's just a bit of a... Yeah, I, I think the idea is that Caligari is the authority and he is causing Cesare to kill. Yeah. Where, where Cesare would, would not do that on, on his own. I guess where that does, okay, I, and I guess we're talking about, you know, these young men going to war. But I, the reason that doesn't quite work is that Caligari's an outsider for the mm. whole film, sure. for the most part. It turns out that he's an authority, authority figure, but he's not doing what he's doing in that guise. So it doesn't, yeah, as, mm. as far as Caligari being the authority doesn't, that doesn't work for me. I got more of a, as I say, a, a sort of Kafkaesque, faceless, pointless bureaucracy and petty, petty evil rather than, you know, uh, a full-blown evil that uh, 
Europe was about to see <laughs> several years after this film. Yeah, and the, the, if, if you look at it in one sense, Caligari is, is has a has a fairly hard fairly hard done by. Um, you know, he he has his caravan searched. Not because anybody suspects him specifically, but oh, he, he's different and foreign. Obviously, we'll look at him. <laughs> yes. No, nobody has any palpable suspicions of him at this point. I mean, yes, as it turns out, he is the bad guy, but they have no reason to suppose that. Um, and one could, what well, would obviously have to argue that his response to that of, of going around murdering people is a bit of an overreaction. But <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. But he's murdering people anyway. I mean, it's just, it, it seems to be he was going to do it anyway. It's just every so often he gets someone that annoys him enough that he's going to actually pick someone that he's met rather than a random victim. I, I have to say, I think his acting here is excellent, which is mm. I, the reason I have to say it is he had, Werner Krauss had a bit of an unfortunate history later on. He got very much, um, in, in with the Nazis. Um, yeah, you, you can regard this as seeing which way the wind is blowing and, and staying on the, on the side of the, of the, side in power but he got very enthusiastic about it you know good, good friend of uh, Mussolini and Goebbels um, God. he had a I think it's a sextuple duple role as a stereotypical Jewish character in, in that uh, anti-semitic propaganda film Yudsus nobody, oh, yeah. nobody was forcing him to do that you know <laughs> Well, and also, you know, the uh, he, he, and with... in his private writing, he was you know, thoroughly anti-Jewish and pro-Nazi. Which, you know, you juxtapose with Conrad Veidt, who became strongly anti-Nazi. He'd left Germany uh, in the 20, late 20s, I think, early 30s, um, and was a strong uh, proponent of anti-Nazi. So when he becomes um, uh, Strausser, is it Major Strausser in uh, Casablanca? Uh, Strausser, it, it, yeah. Uh, he's, um, he's like the least Nazi, but well, I'm not, I'm not suggesting anyone else does it, but he is, it, it's, it, there's an irony in that he is the, the, the strongest anti-Nazi present and, and he's playing the, the, uh, the, the Nazi major. Um, so that makes it a bit harder to excuse Werner Krauss when we have a, you know, a contemporary in the same film, in the same situation, mm. who goes in exactly the other direction. Yeah, um, I, th- I think he's very impressive here, and obviously it's quite early in his career. Um, but particularly the scene where Cesare is waking up, um, he is both scary and scared. Yes, and and this is this is done yeah. purely with, with with his face, essentially. And they've got this really thick, um, dark, grotesque makeup. Um, but you're right, it, it, it conveys, and something about him being scared is in itself scary as well, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how it's done, but those two characters stand it. Francis just seems to be, uh, not to belittle him, but he, as I say, he doesn't inhabit the world in the same way he, that... He's a generic young man hero. Yes, yeah, but, and also the way he moves, um, uh, Conrad Wright, uh, it's just, it's like this kind of bizarre stick insect. It's very different to how uh, Caligari moves, but they both, oh, they suit that world in the way that the windows and the doors do. It's, uh, it is incredible. There's, um, there's something vampiric about him, uh, and, and something quite like Nosferatu, actually, the way he moves and, uh, stalks the night. Certainly, uh, 
at the very least, somebody who's not quite comfortable with their own body. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I would note uh, that the thing that start, definitely struck me after a bit was we get a lot of uh, irising in and out when, whenever we have a change of scene. Oh, uh, yes. Which was quite a new thing at the time. That uh, was the, the fancy new special effect. Yeah, it really went out of fashion by the time the talkies came along. But uh, 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 The version I watched as well also had... Uh, the scenes were coloured um, mm. in that basically they had a tint, um, which changes throughout the film, usually uh, yellowish or greenish. Or The version pinkish. I saw at least was reasonably consistent about that. So, you know, mm. um, J- Jane's home, uh, the, the living room, is, is a sort of warm, sympathetic, orangey pink. Yes. Whereas her bedroom at night is, is more of a blue, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it does, it works. Well, it works here. Um uh, oh, I've just—I was just looking through images, and there's an image of um, Cesare with his eyes fully open, waking. Oh, that's, that's an arresting image. It's—it's um, it's a good film. I would recommend it. Uh, this feels a bit pointless asking. Is it, is it a masterpiece, Roger? Yes, I'm, I, yeah. I, I have a fairly high bar for this, but oh boy, yes. Um, yeah, I, as I say, I tried to approach this um, thinking, all right, just because it's old um, doesn't mean it's. It's it's great intrinsically. Um, and no, it isn't. Uh, well, I suppose it is great intrinsically. It, it's it's really good. At the time, it was recognised as a good film. It has stood the test of time. And people still, uh, you know, the word Caligari still um, has a lot of impact today. It's um, Roger Ebert called it the first true horror film. I'm not I'm not sure about. I, I don't know the history of film well enough to be um, sure about that. And it is more of a I don't know, in a way, to me, it's more of a tone poem. It's not truly horrifying, but it's really quite disturbing. Yeah, uh, David Robertson, film critic, um, said that he reckons it's not really an expressionist film at all. Yeah, okay. Because its story and characters, as we've said, are are very conventional. It just has these gorgeous set design and uh, makeup. Okay, so it doesn't quite have the, the kind of the full... Um, so what would expressionist plot be then? Is that more well, I really have no idea. Yeah, so. we, we're not, uh, not art, artist enough. Um, we're certainly not art critics or, or much of anything else. Um, but, yeah, but look, I, look, I don't at, know. Yeah, looking at influence though, I mean, um, even discounting direct adaptations, uh, you've, you've got, I, I can certainly see elements here uh, in the Mummy, um, Frankenstein, the thirties horror. All those Universal films, like The Invisible Man as well. I think, yeah. Um, I, I don't think I, expressionism caught on as much. Though I've, I've heard things about the fall of the House of Usher, um, the nineteen twenty-eight. So maybe. Well, it also plays. It's it's one of the earliest films that plays with the concept of reality and an unreliable narrator. Mm. Um, it doesn't, it's not a huge plot point in the film could, yeah, you could cut the first five minutes, um, and the last five minutes and the, f- the film would still be incredible, but it's, it's an interesting addition, um, that goes on whether it had an influence on, you know, the likes of Philip K. Dick or David Lynch, I don't know, but it, but it has that kind of, uh, sense of unreality to it and not trusting reality. Yeah, I, I certainly found it. <clears throat> trying to sum it up. I mean, 
<laughs> I, I was expecting something broadly in the category of Nosferatu, and I got a much more pure um, visual experience. Yes, I think fairy, a twisted fairy tale perhaps sums it up best for me, that it's, mm. you know, the characters are not, it's not about I mean, the they, plot or the they, characters. They barely or, need character names if, if someone, if they were called the man or whatever, yeah. it would probably work nearly as well. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just about presenting this spectacle to you and it's, uh, at doing that, it is, um, it's rarely been bettered, I think. Mm. Good job. Uh, oh, please. <laughs> it's probably a bit late to say that, isn't it? Well, uh, apparent, is, apparently, um, the, the people who would be doing the more are all fleeing to the States, so. Yeah, for some reason. Okay, well. Oh, I wonder if there probably was a, a Caligari too. Oh, I'm just glancing over it. The Return of Dr. Caligari. Dr. Caligari, The Cabinet of Dr. Ramirez. Oh dear. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, I, uh, there's probably a reason I wasn't aware of this. Um, but very good. All right. Well, uh, there's not many lines to quote from Dr. Caligari. Um, uh, what's that? What's it? It's right on the walls. Dubist Caligari becomes or something like that. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> you must become Caligari. It's very good. Very good. Alright, well, I think that will wrap it up for 119 and our earliest film ever. I suspect we'll be projecting ourselves into the future for the next one. Mm-hmm.